Speaking Podcast. We are recording on Monday morning. It is May 22nd. I'm your co-host, Jared Mintz, and joining me on this lovely yet dreary Monday morning is my co-host, Joseph Nardone. Joe, how was your weekend? Good. It was quick. As I told you off air, I went to my neighbor's party, which was fun for a while. Then I ran away. And then yesterday, watched some uh, professional shooty hoops. And now I'm here with you. It's also dreary where I live, even though we're a few hundred miles away from each other. So I feel like we're kindred spirits this morning. Wait, wait, wait. You ran away from a party Friday night? Why'd you do that? Oh, come on. I told you off air, and I'm not repeating it on air, but let's just say <laughs> I got uncomfortable, and uh, so I ran away. <laughs> hey. <fair laughs> the enough. thing is, I literally ran away. Like, I told my friend Colin, I'm like, hey, I feel uncomfortable, and then I literally started to walk and then ran away. <laughs> I can't even imagine you running, but I'm glad to hear it. Good hustle. Wait I was out of shape. I'm out of shape. It's a whole two houses down the road, and by the time I got to my house, I was out of breath. I believe it, especially on a Friday night. I mean, that is not prime workout time. No, it was a Saturday night, but Friday night, I still would have been out of shape. Either or, even worse. I digress. How was your, I, how was your weekend? What'd you do? My weekend was good. It was chill, actually. I, uh, I worked yesterday. I, we had a, a community event that I had to work, so that was uh, always fun to work on a Sunday, but good cause, so can't complain too much, and uh, we barbecued Saturday. I love when it's nice out. I love uh, getting to barbecue a lot, so... Shout out to the weather. You're not nice today, but uh, you were nice over the weekend. So Shout out you? to the weather. Long time listener. <laughs> yeah, big, big fan. Sometimes, you know, weather sucks. Actually, I'm pretty miserable about it. It's supposed to rain like every freaking day this week. It's May. I thought it's April showers, not May showers. What is this garbage? Oh, I don't know. I, the weather the weather's taking a heel turn. It is. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's it's remarkable. It's preposterous. Whoa. I can't believe I can't believe this this is all happening. What any, were, any other adjectives or big words you want to throw out there? No, nah, I was just channeling my uh, my favorite guy here. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're off to a riveting start. It's a Monday, and we're talking about weather and running away from parties. We have an even more annoying thing to talk about next, but you can't avoid it because it happened last night. LeBron James let go of the reins, and the Boston Celtics won a game. I mean, listen. It took LeBron dogging it and a, a buzzer beater three from Avery Bradley for this game to, you know, be in the bag. But Cavs blew like a 20-something point lead in this game. LeBron looked like, I hate to say it, I'm really not trying to, like, sensationalize this. And I don't know that it has any meaning, you know, moving forward or that, you know, the Cavs are in trouble. But LeBron looked like that that 2011 finals LeBron where he's passive, where he looks disinterested, where guys are jumping over him for rebounds. I mean... When you have a thousand-something game sample of LeBron, LeBron just being this athletic freak where he dominates all possessions, where he's not, you know, driving to the basket and looking to pass the ball out to the three-point line, you know, not even for open threes, but just to get rid of the ball. Last night was that worst version of LeBron that we see every now and then. And, Joe, t- tell me it wasn't just me, right? This this was something that happened. LeBron dogged it last night. Yeah, I think the disinterested part is probably the most accurate. I mean, Boston is going to be without is out without Isaiah Thomas the rest of the way. Um, they've been killing Boston the whole series. They were up 20, as much as 21 points on Sunday. So, yeah, I think he was just kind of mentally checked it in. Like, he was just like checked out. He was just like, yeah, whatever. We're going to win. I'm LeBron James. We're the Cleveland Cavaliers. I have Kyrie. I have Kevin Love. Tristan Thompson was great on the boards for a little bit yesterday. But, um... Yeah, man, he just looked really passive and awful. It, like you said, it doesn't actually mean anything. It's just once every 60 or so games, this is the LeBron you get where he's just like, eh. And uh, I think he was just disinterested. I think he he just expected the Celtics to fold. I think most of us did. It looked like they were after the first half was over. 
And uh, Marcus Smart literally played the best game of his career. Like, literally played the best game of his career. And um, Avery Bradley's three-pointer at the buzzer was on the top of the rim for about seven seconds. That's why <laughs> Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland didn't have a second chance to uh, – another chance to tie the game. But this, I don't think it means anything. I think it extends the playoffs. I think that's about it. I really think that's it. I, I don't think – Cleveland won two games at Boston's home floor. Celtics won one there. Celtics are without their best offensive player. Marcus Smart is not a 27-point-a-game scorer. And LeBron James isn't a guy that's only going to take 13 field goals, be inefficient – not really rebound. Like I think that's the greatest point you made. Is like he looked really like the re- like he wasn't jumping for rebounds. He looked like a seven year old that didn't know how to rebound a basketball. He just refused to jump. Um, or maybe he couldn't. Maybe his legs just weren't underneath him on, on Sunday. But I don't think it means anything. I just think it's one of those things. I hope so because again, you know, you watch this, or at least I watch this, and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for LeBron to kind of take over, and it looked like he almost wanted to down the stretch. Like the final minute of the game, there are a couple possessions where he backs down Jay Crowder, gets double teamed, that makes a good three point, you know, a good pass to J.R. Smith, who's open at the three. The next possession, he's kind of driving and finds an open three in the corner. Like there were a couple possessions there where it's like, okay, he's turning it back on. And that's that's just kind of what you have to wonder when you see LeBron play like that, especially after everything he's done in these playoffs where he just dominates. You know, there's a different aggressiveness to him that you didn't see last night. And I worry because during those 2011 finals, which, you know, is forever ago, and of course there were a bunch of reasons that, you know, the, the Heat weren't on the same page and LeBron and Wade maybe weren't on the same page playing their first finals together. But you watch those games, if you could remember going back that far, and you're waiting for, you know, this LeBron that you've been used to his whole career to show up, not this version of himself that's not looking to score, that, you know, is, is holding on to the ball for too long and, and not, not even looking to get to the basket and do the things that LeBron does. And that's guy that showed up last night. And I really hope that, you know, it was just a one-game thing and that, you know, maybe he was feeling the effects of not getting voted into the, the MVP finals, you know, that all the awards were released, the, the top three finalists for the awards, and LeBron obviously didn't make the cut. I don't know if this was that. I don't know if it was, you know, what you said where he expected Boston to fold. I mean, defensively without Isaiah Thomas, we, we knew Boston would probably be a little bit better. I guess they were. I mean, they gave up 108 points to, to a Cavs team where LeBron wasn't even playing well. So I, I don't even know if that's that's good for them defensively. I, I don't know. I just don't know. That That's the thing that kind of confuses me the most because we don't see this guy do this ever. And when he does, it's a big red flag. Yeah, I think the same thing to note here is if Avery Bradley doesn't make that three-pointer at the end and Cleveland was able to win the game, we wouldn't make any kind of deal about this at all. We'd just say, oh, LeBron had a bad game and Cleveland still won. So I think this is kind of like one of those deals where the results are going to dictate the narrative today and until until the next game. But if, you're, if you have like any kind of, not you specifically, but if anybody has any kind of sweeping take to come out of this that's like going to be far more reaching than just saying, like, LeBron had a bad game. I think they're in the wrong. Like you said earlier, we have a 1,000-game sample size of LeBron James being great. And he's also he was also great this season. Brad Stevens said it early in the series that he thinks it's Brad, uh, LeBron's best season as a pro. Um, so there's no really signs of him, like, taking this turn or missing his peak or being on the decline. Do you know what I mean? So sure. yeah. I think all great players are allowed to have an awful game here and there. And uh, I just think he just happened to have one, and Cleveland just happened to lose, and there was really nothing else going on a Sunday. And it's the first, one of the first interesting games of the entire playoffs, so everybody was watching. 
and they just happen to see him. You know what I mean? So, like, if it's a big deal, it's just because there's nothing else really going on. And nobody's talking about the Dodgers or the Phillies or the Yankees yet on May 22nd. Right. No, that's a fair point. I mean, the microscope is on him, so we're going to look at what happened last night and make a bigger deal of it than, than maybe we would if there was anything else to care about, which there isn't, which we'll get back to shortly. But, again, you know, you just you don't see him do this. And it's different if you're missing shots. He wasn't even taking them. He was holding on to the ball for too long and then making bad passes, you know, almost to the half court line to get rid of the ball. I was watching this game and I was wondering to myself, like, what do you do if you're Tyron Lue? It seemed like everybody on the court seemed to realize this towards the end of the game. Kyrie and Kevin Love were almost freezing him out on possessions that were just turning into bad possessions because they didn't know what to do without LeBron playing his role and without him being aggressive. I mean, I almost have to credit those guys, especially Kyrie, for being like, you know what, we got to take this into our own hands. We can't give LeBron the ball and expect him to do something because it's clear he's not that guy tonight. But what do you even do if you're Tyron Lue? You're not getting any edge out of LeBron. You keep him on the court and you're essentially playing down, you know, four on five. You can't bench LeBron in this situation. It, it just, it missed me because it's so strange and we're so not used to seeing it. And I'm not trying to make that big, de- that big of a deal of it. It's just such a, it's such an eyesore because you're not used to seeing LeBron do this. I mean, I hope he doesn't come out like this in game four. But it's the type of thing where it's like he's not necessarily missing shots as much as he just doesn't look like he's giving an effort. And I don't really feel like it's a hot take to say that. No, and I think if you want to go if you want to go like super into the game itself, and you mentioned Tyrone Lue, I think you could, you could question how he manages his rotation. Do you know what I mean? Like it could partly explain why LeBron James toward the end looked like he wanted to be aggressive. Boston was smart enough to obviously double him, like you were saying when Jay Crowder went on and somebody collapsed. Um, he played 45 minutes yesterday, and then, like, their bench was nothing. It was Jefferson played a handful, Williams played a handful, and then Shumpert and Corver played some meaningful minutes. But you have LeBron playing 45. You have everybody's over, like, 40, except for, like, Love's at 36, and J.R. Smith played 33. But, like, this could become a different discussion with Kyrie and Kevin Love, who I, I, I'm starting to believe we very much undervalue as players. Uh, I see a lot of takes on Twitter saying stuff like, this isn't a super team. It's LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love's kind of replaceable. I'm like, no, they're not. They're really, really good. And I think Kyrie kind of got his stars kind of embedded now because of last year's playoff run and how clutch he was down the stretch of games. I think Kevin Love is still a really good player, and we kind of started taking for granted the fact how good he was. And I think if Cleveland won yesterday, we'd be talking about Kevin Love's double-double and how great he was, and he had a couple blocks and – uh, he was one of the few, him and Kyrie were really the only two players offensively. Uh, Tristan Thompson had a couple points, but they're all offensive rebounds and fouls. Um, that kept them in the game. Do you know what I mean? So, I don't know. Like, it's just a weird thing where I think we could overanalyze this and point to Tyron Lue's rotation. We could point to LeBron. Like you said, he just was very passive. Didn't seem involved. And I don't think that's a hot take. And then Kevin Love and Kyrie both played fantastic. So... I just think it's one of those things. Right, yeah. Kevin Love, like you mentioned, he's averaging 27 points, 11.3 rebounds, shooting 52% from the field and 55% from three in this series against Boston. I mean, and that, that's the thing that makes it worse because they just, they've been cruising and it's not just on the strength of LeBron doing LeBron things. It's everybody's playing their game. Everybody's playing well. And just yesterday, you know, not getting the LeBron game and the fact that Cleveland was still in this game the way they were, that they were up as big as they were, and that they were almost able to win, even though it looked like they were giving that game away in the second half. I just The series isn't going to be close. I, I can't imagine Boston wins another game, but 
LeBron comes out and plays again like he did last night, and we could be talking about having a series. Except that won't happen. I hope not. I really we all, hope there's, not. There's almost no evidence to suggest LeBron's going to have back-to-back god-awful games. You're right. You're right. And I think I think it's reaching to compare this too much to 2011. But again, you see that guy show up on the court last night, and that's the first thing that you have to think is, this moment isn't too big for him. We know it's not. But emotionally, we've seen LeBron kind of get, I want to say get carried away or have the best you know of him get taken. I don't know how to even word that, so I worded it so awkwardly just now. But every now and then you just you see, and every now and then is stretching it. We've seen LeBron shrink before. It's not something you could count on. It's not something you should ever worry about. But I'm just saying that last night kind of triggered that 2011 feeling that I had sitting on the couch watching LeBron shrink to extents and being like, what's going on? Why is this guy doing this? There is nothing to make you think that this guy has this in him, that he has this this shrink factor in him. But he, he did last night. And I don't think it's an indictment on him or anything like that. I I wonder why it happened. I hope we don't see it again. It's not very LeBron-like. If anything, he's shown that he rises to the occasion. You know, since 2011, he's just been lights out in big games. Even the 2014 finals where where they got destroyed by the Spurs, LeBron was playing ridiculous. It wasn't LeBron's fault at all. So, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I'd have to imagine he's going to come back on fire in Game 4, and maybe he just took a night off after the MVP voting thing. Maybe that's even a narrative. I mean, the guy's allowed to have a bad game. Maybe he wants to really watch Backlash. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, maybe, well, maybe that's... Let's, let's simplify it, though, right? LeBron had the worst game of recent memory for LeBron. Marcus Smart literally had the best game of his career. They're also... Boston's still not getting Isaiah Thomas back. So even if LeBron, for some reason, decides, eh, I'm done with the series, I'm going to continue to play awful, the margin of error was three points on Sunday. Marcus Smart is not going to be that ever again. It's, yeah. He's just not. And... Um, like guys like Avery Bradley, I know Avery Bradley, his efficiency numbers actually weren't good and stuff like that. But they got Boston played the very best version they could play without Isaiah Thomas on Sunday. The very best version they could play, and LeBron played about as bad as he could ever play, and the margin of, of error was three points. Right. Al Horford grabbed two rebounds in this game. So uh, Yeah, I don't understand yeah. I don't understand the Al, Al Horford's doing this thing too where he's uh, offensively he's floating around the three point line far too often. And uh I think if this if they were to lose this game, we'd be doing to him what we do to Marcus Aldridge, who's starting to keep going further away from the basket, and be like, these guys are trying to not be dinosaurs like the old school big men. And I like Al Horford. I don't mind him shooting a couple threes, um, but he he can't be hanging out at the three point line on offense. He can't be doing that. Um, like I know Kelly Olynyk does it as well, but Kelly Olynyk's kind of that guy. So I don't know. I don't know what what his deal is. Why offensively he's he's always by the three point line anymore. It bothers me because he's too talented just to hang out there on offense. Yep. For the third did year he in a row, he had, did, he had, did he have? No, he had no offensive rebounds on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, for the third year in a row, he's just getting eaten alive by the Kevin Love Tristan Thompson tandem. And uh, I'm not here to slander Al Horford, but do it. You know the guy. Slander. The guy's in a lost call. He's beautiful, by the way. No. I suppose. I always thought he's a little weird looking. His, really? his lips, his lips are like very Mr. Potato heady, where like they just don't look like they naturally fit on his face. That, that's kind of how I feel. But he I, is. I, I think he has beautiful eyes. All right, man. Maybe we could uh, get in the call to Al Horford after slandering him for his rebound effort. Let him know that Joe finds him attractive. I'm secured up from my manhood to let him know that. That's cool, man. I don't have a problem with that at all. All right, Joe. I think uh, we've reached. We've reached the end of that conversation, and now let's kind of get back into We have that. a lot of words to say there just to say, yeah, it doesn't mean much. <laughs> I hope it doesn't mean much. Stop saying I, I hope. You know it doesn't. 
until it does. I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to. Stranger Things have happened. Stranger Things saying, like, returns in October. Can't wait. <laughs> it's it's a two one series now. It's not like they were up three zero and they they let Boston have a game. I mean, you would think that this is still in the bag for Cleveland. It's not until it is, but no. I digress. This, this you're your classic playoff guy. It's 2-0. Series is over. It's 2-1. Now we have ourselves a series. Joe, I'm not freaking out, but they were 16.5-point favorites last night, and they laid an egg. We were right, and they're still not going to get Isaiah Thomas back, and Marcus Smart's really not going to score 27 points ever again in his life, and LeBron's never going to be that awful again. Like we I all said, know this. There's plenty of reason to believe that Cleveland takes a series running away but we didn't expect to see last night happen. We didn't expect to see LeBron do this, and LeBron did it, and they lost. So Look at you hedging your bets. Be a man and have a strong take. My take is Cleveland's going to win running away still. I'm just saying I feel less confident <laughs> stop about Stop hedging that. your bets. Just stop. You just say you leave it with my belief is boom, and then you stop, period. No but after. My belief was LeBron was going to come out and have another 30-point, you know, triple-double last night, and he was far from it. So you just never know. I'm not hedging. I'm not trying to hedge. I'm not trying to hedge. I'm just saying last night scared me a little bit. From a LeBron perspective. Not not even a Boston thing. This is less about Boston being good and LeBron just worrying me with the disappearing thing. Also, I I, I didn't mean to sound like I was dismissing Marcus Smart. He had a great game and should be appreciated. He's a really good defender. It's just that he's not a 27-point game for game scorer. Absolutely is not. Not on I think he went like eight of fourteen from three or something. Oh yeah, and he's not he's not a shooter at all. Right. So he did it last night. No, he's not. I think he shot twenty four percent from three this year. So uh not expecting that. Right. Yeah, right. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's as much an aberration Marcus Smart doing that as LeBron doing what he did, and everybody gets back to normal when they meet up again. I don't know. That's you you do know. That's what we should expect. All right, Joe, let's Let's move on. Let's pivot, pivot from that. No, <laughs> I don't say it anymore. No, I know. But I like using it like very often now. Like I'm addicted to the use of the word. It's a great word. You use it mockingly. It's kind of upsetting. But let's move on, Joe, to something that's annoying as well. And that's, uh, you know, we started talking about this Celtics-Cavaliers uh, game because the basketball playoffs have been pretty terrible, especially lately. It feels like all these games in the conference finals have been blowouts, you know, save for game one in the Western Conference Finals. And then last night... There's been a lot of complaints, a lot of complaints on Twitter, a lot of basketball people complaining. I was in the car yesterday listening. Antoine Walker was on my local ESPN radio talking about how the NBA isn't competitive anymore. And all stars, all the stars want to play with each other now. They didn't want to do this back in the day. Now every single star wants to play with each other, which is, you know, very hyperbolic. But Kevin Durant came out and kind of addressed this speculation of people who find the NBA playoffs boring. Kevin Durant says, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Joe, is that a that don't look good? No, I think that's a kind of accurate take. I know it sounds horrible because he's a player, and it sounds really dismissive, and it is really dismissive. But really, if you don't like the playoffs, you can always watch something else. But isn't it bad for NBA people, like NBA ambassadors? You're getting paid to make the NBA look good. Isn't it bad for them to come out and say, don't watch this product? I mean, that's that's kind of one of these things I always hold against Charles Barkley is – it doesn't matter when in the season it is. It doesn't matter if it's the playoffs. Barkley's constantly on TV saying, why are we showing this game tonight? I really shouldn't do impressions. It's bad. Why are we showing this game tonight? This is going to be a terrible game. Before a game starts, Charles Barkley is telling people don't watch it. Imagine if I turned on AMC on a Monday night and I get Bob Odenkirk coming on my screen as Bob Odenkirk saying, yeah, this is going to be a bad episode of Better Call Saul. Don't watch it. I mean, could you, could you imagine? And there's so much money involved in this. There are advertisers and, like, 
I just think it's such a bad look to have an NBA player, an MVP candidate type player even saying, yeah, I mean, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Like, there should just be a better temperament around this. Well, I mean, like, there's two trains of thought here, right? Like, we always want our guys to be honest, our athletes to be honest, and the moment they give us an honest opinion, we kill them for it. So he could he could have lied to us and made it more packaged. But what was his package going to be? Yeah, I understand the playoffs are blowouts, and who knows, maybe I'll go 7 for 26 from the field on Tuesday. Like, what do you want him to say? And I don't like the what do you want me to say aspect of that because the answer is say, well, we're playing exciting basketball. If you can't find oh. us exciting, you know, I don't well, know. They say you want them to lie. You rather, you rather players to be dishonest and lie to you. It's a lie to say the Warriors are playing exciting basketball? Well, I'm sure thinking. they are, but it doesn't actually help explain why. The, like, it doesn't actually tell you to watch. Ba- like, the games are blowouts, obviously, except for Sunday night. And there hasn't been very many interesting games. So, how, like, how them playing exciting basketball makes those games not blowouts? I think – I just don't – like, he was honest. I don't understand what the issue is. Did you did you ever play any sports video games growing up? Of course. Did you ever play dynasty modes in them? Yes. I know that you're the type of person who likes, you know, reclamation projects and making something terrible good. But did you ever have a season where you traded for all the good players to be on your team and you played with those guys? No, you kind of hit me on the head. I purposely – Try to start off with awfulness. People do, I mean, look, I'm not, you know, relating this to your childhood, but we've all done this at a point where we either play on rookie or we put a bunch of good players on the same team because we want to see what it'd be like to play with them together. And we enjoy blowing out the computer 129 to 54 in NBA Live 2000 or something along those lines. We do this in Madden where it's like, all right, I don't like the Jets offensive line, so I'm going to put all the all pro players there and I'm going to put Barry Sanders on the roster too. We do this thing where we like to have fun by watching the best things come together to destroy smaller things. And I think that's what we're seeing in the NBA playoffs. I just think it hasn't happened like this in so long where you've just had two teams absolutely dominate the rest of the competition. I'm not making the argument that it's not boring. I'm just saying NBA ambassadors should have more of a glass half full approach to this than, yeah, it stinks, don't watch. It's it's such a bad look to say, yeah, the thing that I work hard for, that I get paid a lot of money for people to have interest in, you shouldn't have interest in this. Well, I don't think he's – I think what he's saying is like, like all right, I keep getting – killing uh, Kevin Durant. It's not just Kevin Durant. It's Kevin Durant. It's every NBA player that's been on the jump with Rachel Nichols the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Every, every corner you turn to where they're discussing the NBA playoffs, it's this is a bad product. Well, I mean, the product has been bad. Like, I, I don't I, – I really don't know what to say. I mean, I don't think anybody would – would be able to formulate a accurate take why the playoffs have actually been good. So exciting basketball is one thing, I guess, but it's not compelling. So I don't really have, I just don't have an issue with anybody saying like, Hey, now I have an issue with nineties players saying like turning this into this whole, like this isn't the nineties anymore. This is what you get deal. Um, because that's just stupid. Do you know what I mean? Everything's different now, The CBA is different. Um, Guys, actually, like, I mean, the, the Lakers had super teams where guys, like, I know they weren't stars, but, like, really elite-level role players would take discounts to go play in L.A. Uh, Rick Fox was, like, a 20-point-per-game player for Boston, left Boston to go to the Lakers. So I don't want to hear, like, this never happened, um, because it did a lot. Uh, Dennis Rodman went to Chicago, then it went to San Antonio. So whatever with those horrible takes. But, well, I mean, just stupid. I understand that because eventually me and you will get older and we'll age out and we'll be like 
the 2008 to 2020 era was the best. I guess that's just the way it works. Like you, you get stuck in romanticizing era and then you could refuse to progress and move on. But I just think it's just a, a bad take. Um, I think the good take is, yeah, these players' playoffs aren't compelling. And there's really no fix because all the fixes they could do would cost the NBA money. They're not going to lessen the number of teams on each conference that make it. They're not going to go from eight seeds to six or five. They're not going to go to the first round and make it three or five-game series <coughs> because they don't want the best teams getting eliminated early because, heaven forbid, somebody got upset in the first round. So it's just one of those deals where you have to, I guess we have to eat it until the finals, hope the finals pan out. And then maybe we'll revisit this in 20 years. Because we'll all forget. Like, I can't tell you anything about any first-round or divisional-round playoffs outside, like, the Nuggets-Sonics way back in the day when the Nuggets upset the Sonics. Ever. Do you know what I mean? So, like, we, it sucks in the now for the two months of the now of the playoffs. But in a couple of years, we're only going to remember the finals anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way you would hope that it goes down. And I don't – you know, people have been complaining about this all season long – about the Warriors and the Cavs and how the NBA is not competitive this year because of Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant broke the NBA. And, I mean, I think it's the worst-case scenario that after all of that that happened this season, this is kind of where we are in the playoffs. And, listen, I'm not denying it. I'm not saying, you know, it's a good brand of basketball and you should all enjoy it and deal with it if you don't enjoy it. I'm not saying that. I just don't. There there has to be a different league-wide approach to this where we're not just allowing – people who cover the league to say, yeah, this is bad. It's a bad year for us. I mean, yeah, I I agree with you. We want our athletes to be honest and we want them to tell the truth and we don't want them to hold back. And I think that that kind of has an appeal and makes the NBA more relatable as well. But it's just not, it's not a good look. It's not a good look for the product. And I keep saying it. I I'm with you. I mean, I don't know what else can be said. I don't know what else can be done. You know, you're not going to change free agency. You're not going to do things to, to make it. So this kind of thing doesn't happen again, or at least you shouldn't. I, I don't know what should happen here, and it's not so much, you know, a, we have a solution as it is a, this is a problem, and, you know, this, this shouldn't be addressed this way. Yeah, and I think I think what will end up, eventually end up happening, and I don't think we're too far away, is things always seem, uh, seem to, like, cycle in and out. So, like, now the whole thing is ring chasing, and, hey, like, media fans are part of the issue here of why guys like Kevin Durant go to Golden State, because they need to get that... Let me get that ring so it's off my shoulders so I don't, I'm not the guy that they keep going. Kevin Durant's great, but doesn't have a ring. You know what I mean? When we're part of that issue because we use everything. Everybody's greatness. Like when you hit a certain level of stardom, your greatness is stopped, determined by efficiency numbers or plus minus. It's just rings. You know what I mean? So we're part of the issue there. But I do think eventually, and we're probably not that far away, is the next group of guys, young guys, young stars, might not want to do the ring the the ring chasing thing. They might just be like, hey, like I got the land here, I like it here, I like my teammates, blah 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 blah. Like I don't think we're gonna be in forever the cycle where LeBron's going to Miami for team. Uh well the CBA is doing everything that they can to make this happen with all the incentives to make players, you know, want to stay with the teams that drafted them. Yeah, and some of this isn't like they're trying and some of this isn't their fault, like the NBA's fault either side, either the players association or the NBA itself. A lot of these, like the superstars, a lot of them make a ton of money in shoe deals now. So the incentive to stay, unless you get that super max deal now, which is absurd, um, the difference isn't that much. If you're already making a couple couple million dollars outside uh, uh, in the advertising realm. Right. Also, I want to note Antoine Walker was the one that was talking crap about this. In the 2003-2004 <coughs> season, he played with... One, two, three, four, five All-Stars in Dallas. There were six All-Stars total on that team at some point. So uh, 
Shout out to Antoine Walker for his revisionist history. Uh, I'm not going to bash Antoine. I get it. Like you're going to, I don't like it, but you're going to defend your era above everybody else's. It's just like me hanging out with a group of friends and be like, you know, our 2001, 2002 basketball team would kill today's high school team. You know, whatever. I hate I, that. I know. I hate it too, but I get it. Like I get it. Like you're going to protect yours. And it's kind of a thing where you, if people celebrate today, you feel like your legacy is getting hurt. So I get it. It's just dumb. It's also inaccurate. But like you said, like there's there's evidence that suggests that guys did form a kind of super teams. It just so happens, like because Cleveland's super team isn't really a super team in the fact that like they weren't built together. LeBron just went home and they got Kevin Love. And Kyrie Irving was already there, and they gave up assets for Kevin Love. They gave right. up two number one picks for Kevin Love. You know, it's not like a. Kevin Love decided to take $4 million a year to play with these guys. And Golden you know, State like, got Kevin Durant, I understand that, but Clay, Steph, Draymond were all drafted there. Drafted and developed, right? Right. I, I kind of hated, and that, that's why I kind of look at this and I bring it back to Kevin Durant ruined the NBA because he's the anomaly. He's the guy who signed with the 73-win team, and I think, I'm not personally saying he ruined the NBA, but I think that that's the sentiment that goes around the league when we discuss, you know, the, the balance of power shifting. I mean... Kevin Durant played last year with Russell Westbrook and Serge Ibaka. It's not like he was playing with a bunch of scrubs and was like, I got to play with other all-stars. I mean, the guy was already on an all-star team. At least, you know, at that point, you had another team that had multiple all-stars on it. You know? No, so we and I get the point. We didn't care point. when it was three teams. We care that it's two teams. Right. Like, that's the thing. Now that you're taking that whole extra fancy playoff series away, I guess. I get, you know what I mean? It's Because I bet you if these uh, conference finals were more interesting – and maybe the Boston one becomes interesting. Uh, we wouldn't care that much that the first round because the first round of the playoffs are always almost always going to suck. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's teams in the first round of the playoffs that don't blind being in the playoffs. So yeah, the first round is going to be a wash. So it's usually up to the conference finals and the NBA finals to save the playoffs. So basically, like you said, it's a really good point. I think it's the best point made in this whole conversation. We went from three super teams to two. I didn't really call them super teams. We went from three teams that had a chance. Well, really, four. Because the Spurs, I mean, right. like, Kyrie Leonard got hurt, and that's nobody's fault. Do you know what I mean? But we went from four teams that had a chance to go to the NBA Finals from three, and then Leonard got hurt, and now we're down to two, and we all know what the end game is here. So, yeah, I think a lot of things also factored in this playoffs, like Isaiah Thomas getting hurt, Kyrie Leonard getting hurt, that just made it worse. You know what I mean? So, whatever. Definitely. Definitely whatever. All right, Joel, let's do some absurd questions and end this show. Seal, hit the beautiful bean music. Absurd questions! With Joseph. Absurd right, Joel. questions! I forgot. I don't know. Do we have sign for that or no? You made one last week. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to scream into Jamil's ear. That's fine. You scream today. I'll take it. I'm not mad about it. Joe, do you want to go first today or you want me to go first? I'll go first today. All right, what do you got? Well, I already told you what I was going to ask you. I told you the last other day. What If you could pick one player that's retired from the NBA to be in the Big Three League or whatever it's called, who would it be and why? Did you tell me that the other day? Yeah, remember we were at the close of the show and you're like, that's a horrible, absurd question. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm going to ask you on Monday. <laughs> I don't I don't totally remember that. Um that might have been two weeks ago at this point. Because we went through like the roster for some reason. <laughs> don't you right. remember? And then when I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that was the we don't have anything to talk about on this show, so we're gonna talk about the big three league show. Which um, actually turned into a pretty decent segment. 
It wasn't the worst. So they ha- you have to be a former NBA player, like you're out of the league. No, well, you don't have to be. You don't even have to be a former NBA player. You could be a washed up college player, but you just can't be in the uh, NBA. So you're giving away your answer there a little bit, probably. Who I am? Yeah. Who's Who's yours? Who's mine? Well, yeah. listen, I had a, so I thought about this because I threw out his name the other day. Like I like John Wallace at time, but I was like, yeah, John Wallace is probably kind of wash. You know who should be in it? Who? Stephen Marbury. He should. And he, he's, he's, he's going to be. He's still really active. He plays at a high level in China. So I think he one he'd be fun to watch, and two I think in that dynamic he would kill it. He'd probably destroy that league. Yeah. Yeah, that that'd be my guess because he's probably better and quicker and more athletic than a lot of those guys still. Um. Yeah, I, it's funny. My mind was going point guard too. I was almost thinking Steve Nash at first, but he's coaching and doing important things, so he probably probably wouldn't want to do this. I mean, Iverson obviously is in the league already, and that's my guy. Jason Williams is in the league. Is Baron Davis in the league? I gotta assume Baron Davis, who who still well, didn't he try to make the NBA again last year, and then he played in a D league team. Did. Yeah, I think he did. I mean, he's still like tearing up like summer leagues and stuff. I like Baron Davis a lot. I like Baron Davis a lot too. He was one of my favorite players. Had a big Baron Davis poster back in my day. When he hurt his leg, when he was with the Hornets, when they were in New Orleans. Was that when he was on the Hornets? Uh, they were Charlotte. They were Charlotte at the time. Whatever. But before he, he might have, he might have been there still when they when they moved. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they drafted Chris Paul in two thousand five. So but when but, but when Baron Davis was really young and he still had like a lot of hop in him. Oh man, he was so much fun. Yeah, that's yeah, my that Baron my Davis guy. hot take. I, <laughs> I don't think was hot take. I, was, I was a big Baron guy. I remember, you know, it was Baron Davis or Steve Francis because they both came out of the same draft, and I was like, I like both these guys a lot, but. Give me Baron. I prefer Baron. And uh, well, poor Stevie yeah. franchise doesn't really help in the idea of him since his career's end. No, I, it's funny. I was going to say Steve Francis is one of these guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and I'm gonna go with a team. I would like to see some kind of reincarnation of the early 2000s Duke team play together in this tournament. So get get Battier out there, get Mike Dunleavy out there, and get Jay Williams out there. That that's what I want to see. I want to see those three guys play together in big big three tournaments. All right, fine. Then I'm gonna cheat. I want. Uh, reincarnation of the 98 St. John's team. Of course you do. I want Bootsy, Bootsy Thornton. I want LeVar Postel. You, it's good that you realize that you need to say Bootsy Thornton's full name on this podcast because 99% of the people who are listening probably don't know Bootsy on a first name basis. Well, listen, the Bootsy Thornton game in 1998 at Madison Square Garden against Duke when he dropped 40. Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. It, I was there for that game. Um, and it was it probably my single most fun sporting event ever in my life. Um, but yeah, that St. John, I love that St. John's team. I love it. That whole Hard. era. I understand, like, listen, Mike Jarvis made them, isn't really likable. I don't know how to put it in politer terms. But um, that team, like, I mean, you're, you you grew up watching St. John's as well. You, I don't want to call you, like, a fan, but you're really familiar with the work. That that was, in our age, like, because we didn't really get to, get to grow up watching Chris Mullen or those guys, probably the best run we've, we've had as St. John's people. One thousand percent. Nothing is even close. Who's your favorite, like, in that era? So you have like, I'm not just saying that team. So Lavar, Bootsy, Ron Artez, Zendon Hamilton, Zendon Omer Hamilton. Cook, uh, Mark Hatton. Mark. Oh, Marcus Showtime Hatton before he got hurt. Um, even after he came back, he was still pretty solid. He played on that team where they had like he was like the only scholarship player. Remember that after he was hurt? Yeah. Yep. Um. Thanks, Mike until Jarvis. They, until they got until they got Daryl Hill. Oh, Daryl Hill. Daryl Hill was my guy, man. My a couple of my friends played with Daryl Hill when we were younger. Did he um, also? Did Daryl Hill also get hurt? 
I don't know. I just don't think he was that good. But he came with a lot of hype. Yeah, he did. He did. He he was Showtime, Daryl Hill. Yeah, that's right. What, what was Marcus Hatton? Wasn't he? I, I thought he was Showtime. No, nah, Daryl Hill was Showtime. What was Mar- Marcus Hatton had a cool nickname too? Um, well, who was your favorite player from that era, St. John's? Uh, I don't know. I, it was Ron Artest, to be completely honest. I loved Ron. Oh, dude, I he was like, he was getting Eric, Eric Johnson comparisons in college. Do you remember that? I do. Eric Barkley too. I don't think you said oh, Eric Barkley. I think that, I know, that I was actually that was actually my favorite guy was Eric Barkley. Well, him and Omar both came with massive hype to the yeah. program. Well, I mean Felipe Lopez, who also turned into a, like a decent. He had a decent NBA run. He was on the cover of Slam as like yep. he. I almost for the longest time I was convinced Spike Lee stole the Felipe Lopez Slam cover to make Jesus Shuttlesworth. He may have actually. I don't, I'm not familiar enough with the the Felipe Lopez one, but I mean, it sounds like the right you know time frame to have done so. Yeah, well, Felipe Felipe wasn't a like top three high school prospect, but slammed slam kind of made him like the savior of St. John's basketball or whatever. And uh, he played four years for St. John's and had a good run. But yeah, I, I think mine's probably. Your, I think Ron Artest is the right answer, but I romanticized so much Booty uh, Thornton in my head over the years. He's really up there too. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And Lavar Postel, I like. I'm sorry for rambling, but I'm going to take my St. John's moment. Lavar Postel, who I ended up liking more when he went to the pros and he made the comments that he could be the next Allen Houston if he just got enough shots and minutes per game. Yeah, uh, he's also been romanticized in my brain. That's fair. Uh, yeah, not for me because I actually did see him as a Nick and uh, it didn't work out so well. But no, Anthony Glover. Like me some uh, some Anthony Glover. Yeah, he was a bulldog. He was, he was good. What good about uh, what about um, the walk on era where they had no scholarship players? That Do you was remember? A rough team. Yeah, that was a rough team to watch. I can only, I think it was Daryl Hill, Marcus Hatton, and then Bums, right? That that. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm trying to think of anybody. I cannot remember one other player from that era. Nope, me neither. Not not a single one. Um, I believe they were very white. Sounds about right, and uh, they didn't win many games. So. No, not, and I mean, that wasn't anybody's fault other than Mike Jarvis's. Right, yep, he did hurt the program. And then Steve Lavin came back and saved it. All right, Joe, let's, uh, <laughs> let's do my absurd question. Sure. This, is one, this has been brewing for me for a really long time. I think it's a really important question. Ooh, important. What's the best food that needs to be dipped? So examples are chips and salsa, you know, hummus, guacamole, spinach and artichoke dip. Mozzarella sticks, even with uh with marinara sauce. What is the best food that needs to be dipped, Joe? Um, hmm. French fries and gravy can count here because that's the way French fries should be eaten. I'm gonna have to say French fries. French fries. That's the, I mean, but, but French fries don't necessarily need to be dipped. You can eat a French fry plain. You know, I know you could eat a tortilla chip plain as well, but, like, you should be dipping it in salsa. There's no passion in your answer about this. Do you not like dipped foods? Like, where are you at? Well, I'm trying to think, like, do I have a clever answer? Carrots and ranch. Carrots and ranch could work. No, I don't even like carrots. Man. Chips and dip. See, I'm not a chips and dip guy. All right. So I'm, I, I guess I don't know like what else I dip any kind of food in other than French fries. That's fair. You can you can answer French fries. It's, it's fine. All right. So let's do French fries. All right. What's French your fries. answer? 
I don't, oh, it's tough, man. I think for me, it's probably spinach and artichoke dip. I think that that's like spinach and artichoke dip with some tortilla chips. I think that that's about as good as it gets. I really like hummus a lot, too. I've eaten like chips and salsa for dinner on many occasions. Just happens. Nights get away from you. So, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to go spinach and artichoke dip, Joe. Right. We lost anybody that was listening with this whole well, thing. You, you, I, I mean, I was kind of lost here as well because I was so trying to think of dippage that wasn't French fries, and I still can't think of anything that I dip outside of French fries. What do you dip things in? I mean, what are your favorite like sauces? Well, all the, so- all the sauces I like are usually already on my product. Like wing sauce I like, but it's already on my chicken wings or my pizza or my French fries. Pasta bake. Right. Pasta bake, yeah, like. Uh, what other sauce? Like same thing with gravy. Um, I guess there's marinara sauce, mozzarella, mozzarella sticks with marinara sauce. However, like that's like I never order mozzarella sticks because I want them. I only order them because like I just need more of whatever, and they're only like five dollars on the the takeout. So same, they, you know same, what I, mean? same. I do that all the time. All so, the time. So uh, it'd be like a distant second to French fries. All right, there you have it. French fries with, with ketchup. God bless you. Thank you. You're welcome. Good things, Joe. All right. I guess that was a bad. <laughs> we really flamed question. out at the end here. Yeah. I mean, I thought that question was going to really spark a great conversation, but it didn't. It's hit or miss, these absurd questions. But yours, yours was good. So no shade to you, bud. No, oh, thanks, honey. Yeah, man. All right, honey. It's, it's, <laughs> it's late in the morning. We got to get going. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let's hope LeBron James doesn't have another uh, aneurysm or whatever happened to him on Sunday night. And let's hope that he returns to his form. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't hope for it. Maybe we should want another close game because LeBron sucks. Uh, okay. There it is. All right, guys. Thanks so much for You're really me. losing me at the end of this podcast. You're coming with really strong takes now all of a sudden. Well, he sucked last night. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and the only way we're going to get another close game is if LeBron sucks. So I also I don't, don't want to see LeBron suck. It doesn't make the games more enjoyable. Correct. Me neither, which is why I said hopefully LeBron returns to LeBron and the series is over soon, but... If you don't want that, I'm not going to hate on you for it. Hashtag pasta bake. There it is. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at jmintshoops. Catch my basketball writing at fanregsports.com. Joseph, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, on the main streets of Twitter at Joseph Nerdone, N-E-R-D-O-N-E, and at fanregsports.com also. Woo woo. Me. All around me are familiar websites, worn out click. They worn out hot takes Bright and early for the daily link dumps No one's clicking No one's clicking Their pupils are filling up their pockets But not for writers Not for writers Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow No tomorrow, no tomorrow And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had I find it hard to tell you, I find it too hot to take When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad world.